0: Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Janet denton and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may wanna pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. Today I have Alyssa joining us. Alyssa just did the last round of WIM and has so courageously decided to come on the podcast and share a little piece of her story in hopes that maybe you get some support from it. And I'm sure we're going to get to some really good stuff. So Alyssa, before we get started, do you want to let people know who you are, what you do for work, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, yes, my name is Alyssa, and I am 31. <laughs> um, I uh, am an educator in a high school setting, um, and I love dogs. So it's Perfect. fantastic. What kind of <laughs> dogs do you love? Um, I have a golden retriever uh, named Winifred, who is the star of the show. <laughs>
0: Winifred what a name does that have a story behind
1: it so um it's from the book *Tuck Everlasting and the main character has to decide whether she wants to live forever or live one good life because she found uh somebody that had like access to the fountain of youth and Winifred is like the animal that always gets sick. So I'm always regretting that name choice, but it's it just really lives up to her name.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, you're an educator in high school. What um, do you teach specific subjects?
1: Um, Yeah. So right now I am teaching um, AP African-American studies and I'm also teaching um, AP psychology. Oh, fantastic. and the, The AP really, it just means college level. It doesn't really mean anything.
0: Right. That would be advanced placement. Yeah. Yes. yes. Got it. Oh, that's really cool. That would have been amazing to have psychology available in high school. I would have loved to take a class like that.
1: Yeah, I actually did take it in high school and I would have never dreamed that I would have gotten a psychology teaching job. Um, It was always an option in the back of my head, but it just happened to be that the person that retired when I um applied to the school that I'm at um was the psychology teacher. So I like just kind of like landed the role.
0: That's wow. That's really cool. I was supposed to become a teacher, but I guess I am a teacher in some degrees. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm in education, but definitely not where I thought I would land. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fair. <laughs> Yeah.
0: So, um, I like to start off these conversations just with a little bit of a backstory around your history with sexuality and sex education and and that sort of stuff. You want to get us started with that?
1: Yeah. So, um, growing up, I um, went to public school. Um, I did. Um, I did go to uh, religious. Um, I don't know if you call them meetings or whatever, but I I wasn't um, ever confirmed or anything like that. I was just going to, uh, but church was a part of my life, is what I'm trying to get through. Uh, but I my parents are what we all affectionately call creasters, so they're like Christmas and Easter, and then they're not, like none other times. I never <laughs> heard that before. Yes, so they're creasters. So um and. Um, that really religion wasn't something that they uh, taught in the household. It was kind of just like that's why I was going to the classes so that it would be through there. So um, it was very um, almost gray area for me because at home um, my parents are big into the like eighties rock hair bands. So it was like you know. Uh, poison and warrant like with cherry pie and like I just remember watching all of these music videos that were just very like high like here are this here is this like sexed up woman and she is the um, like the desirable thing that um, I should want and just very like hypersexual um my parents weren't overtly affectionate in front of me um but you know every you know every once in a while my dad would say something that was like uh it, it, that usually like it was referring to like other women and like talking about their body or something like oh she's really skinny or like and just different messages about the female body were often coming from, um, from them. Um, when I think. When I was like 11 or 12, my mom handed me the a book that was called the birds and the bees. And I wish that I still had it. Cause it actually like, It was supposed to be this really great, like, very artistically drawn book um, that was, like, showing images of uh, what different things meant and, like, okay, here's a female body, here's a male body, here's what the parts are. But she kind of just, like, handed me the book and walked away. Uh, And it was kind of, like, learn for yourself. Um, I remember being also very terrified of anything sexual because my my paternal grandmother used to tease me that she would like string me up by my toes if i got pregnant before i was um before i was like 18 right like whatever um age and so i remember like uh so interestingly enough like my parents were in this like very hypersexual uh, media world when I was at home but I was very much like straight a student like this is uh, I like, uh, follow what the um, Catholic teachings are um, you know I was very much like holding on to this ideal of being like the good girl who um, didn't, uh, or wouldn't do anything before marriage. Um, and I just remember it being very confusing, all of it being very confusing and having a lot of questions and not feeling like I had anybody to ask. I am an only child Um, and so, um, like there wasn't siblings around that I could be like, Hey, what? (laughs) Um, so we, um, we actually also moved around a lot and in high school, we moved back to my original hometown. Um, and my, my first boyfriend ended up being like kind of a weird situation where, and, wrong situation but because I was so like oblivious to the hypersexual like upbringing that I had had um he was very much like let's like let's keep this a secret like I don't want to tell anybody that we're dating but also like let's meet up and like make out and then like and then you can go home and and don't tell anybody that like that we're like doing this and of course I was like hook line and sinker like yes yes this is everything I'm in love like oh my gosh um and you know of course I got my heart broken and um I kind of saw those like, I had a lot of waves of being, um, like, in between this, like, story that I had gotten growing up from my parents about, like, what it meant to, um, be sexual, and the story I had gotten from the church, and then the story that I was living day in and day out, um, and, um, Yeah so I it it was surrounded like the the best example I have for you is just the song Cherry Pie by Warren like just go watch the music video and then it'll be like okay that's it that's the music video is just like this woman in high heels like just bikini model blah blah blah
0: it really, I think, illustrates what a lot of us grew up with, which is a lot of mm-hmm. confusing, vague,
1: mm-hmm.
0: unspoken messaging that often contradicted it, contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we had that hyper, we have that hypersexual image in the media, and then we have that silence at home. And it sounds like both you and I were raised with moms who tried their best with the books, Mm -hmm. yeah. but we're probably, I mean, we're probably making leaps and bounds from what they got as children. Yes. Yeah. Like huge leaps forward, but still completely lacking in any sort of comprehensive education. And, you know, as a mother to teens myself, I'm often caught up in that as well, where I, I'm very acutely aware that I'm not doing the best job either and I just hope that I'm, you know, improving a little bit yeah. from where my parents came from.
1: Uh, yeah, that's funny you say that. I remember one of my first years teaching, uh, like I, so in the psychology class that I teach, I, I mean, I'm teaching mostly seniors in high school and there was one time we were in the development unit and we were talking about um zygote um embryo fetus like just kind of the uh developmental stages and I remember a student raising her hand and asking me just very like forward and um open like so like have you heard about this um plan b and like how does that work and like I just remember being like I have no idea like (laughs) I was wanted to be like am um, am i qualified to be the adult in the room for this conversation because there's no way
0: <laughs> that's so wild to me because you are an educator that is your role right. and you are you are teaching a very parallel topic
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: but but look what our our whole culture has done right you've got this mm-hmm kid who is very eagerly just asking a very kind of scientific question right and -hmm. yet it's cloaked in so much shame and right even like immediately I was like oh
1: my god yeah like flustered
0: hot (laughs) (laughs) even to the point that it's limiting your ability as an educator to answer a very scientific question Mm -hmm it's just yeah wow that's well that's why we're here
1: (laughs) that's precisely
0: where you know the the climate in which we find ourselves as women and yeah it's it's interesting to see you know have we even have we even gotten better over the generations I you know I'm not even sure so after your first experience, which sounds like it wasn't very—I um, mean, maybe, maybe not even fully consensual in terms of.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's questions around that. I'm I'm still investigating that. For yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even like, what do we call consensual? I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a low bar. So yeah. So how did things progress for you in terms of sexual relationships?
1: Um, Well, I think um, uh, (laughs) shortly after I um, was done with the first relationship, um, my second relationship was just like very similar and not in the keep it secret way, but it was very similar in the like, I was still just kind of like looking for somebody to validate that I was um, good enough, uh, or, you know, or had something. Um, and I think I was still really reeling from the previous relationship where I was like, oh, it's not okay to not tell anybody about your relationship. Like, that's not something that should have happened. And, and I, I remember, um, continually getting closer and closer to like actual penetration and instead of just like making out in this like crazy teenage way right um and I remember like asking about condoms and um that being part of the conversation and just that like the guy I was with was kind of against it at first and was like oh I don't know and I was like And I was taken aback, but I was also like, okay, well, I guess that, like, I can't um, say anything, or I shouldn't say anything, or I don't know. And um, there ended up being – and at this time, I was actually on birth control. It's semi-important to the story. Um, And uh, I remember we – The first time that we had sex, I, like, penetrative sex, I was, I went home just feeling absolutely, like, disgusted with myself, almost, um, and also confused. And then um, I was so freaked out that I was pregnant from, like, all of these, like, messages and also from my grandmother. (laughs) telling me that she's gonna like hang me. I just I remember being so anxious for 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 weeks. Um and I mean birth control is not one hundred percent effective but um and also very low chance. Um now that I know everything that I know about like cycles and things like that, it's very low chance that I would have actually gotten pregnant then but I just remember being so freaked out about it that I just couldn't, I, I like could barely function. Um, And that relationship ended up ending. Um, And there had been a guy in my life who I was friends with, but I was also like, you're really nerdy and I hate you and (laughs) weird. Um, And he ended up like, becoming a really good friend of mine and somebody that I really felt like I could confide in. Um, And uh, after like many, many years of him asking me to just like be friends with him, um, I ended up dating him my senior year of high school. And our relationship actually started like, very hypersexual like and it was me initiating everything and then i remember there was a point when and he grew up um going to catholic school like catholic elementary school and all of that and i remember there being a point when he looked at me and he was like you know i kind of feel like we should stop because I want to wait until, like, I feel like I unwrapped a package before, like, before Christmas, like, and that we should have waited. And I, so this is my now husband, um, who, so, and like, we frequently um, took, like, we frequently talk about um, that conversation that we had and how hurtful it made, like, cause I was like, well, what does that mean about my body? And like, and, and like what I've been doing. And it was like this whole thing. And then I remember, you know, after we got married, it, like, it was just kind of like, oh, this is just going to click. Like, this is just going to click now that we're married. And, you know, there was never, uh really any real conversations between the two of us about like about what does it mean um to be together and like how do we feel close um but you know there came a point where we like there was one time when John was like uh my spouse, Um, I was gonna say his name, but there it goes. Um, When he he just said, like, I, like, I want to have sex, I feel like we should have sex. And I was like, but I don't want to, like, I'm not like, I'm busy, like, I'm exhausted. And I've got a million things to do. And I remember that being the first time where I went, like, am I is there something wrong with me? Like, is something like, going on and this kind of continued and continued um and you know we ended up um we tried to uh have children and we got pregnant right away um and I miscarried um our first child and uh didn't really mourn at all for that and just kind of was like okay like let's just move forward next because all of the nurses were like it's nothing like this is normal. And, and, um, and so we ended up trying again. And I um made it a little further along in that pregnancy, but ended up losing that pregnancy as well. And I remember after that, I just like shut off and shut down. I was like, my body is off limits, like we're not doing this. And then it kind of got into this continual cycle which is what brought me to WIM which was like okay I've held them off for like four or five months so I guess like I can do this um and we'll just get it over with and I can like just shut down my mind for a little bit and then we'll um move forward and um and it was very but it was, it was very hard because it it kept being like, I kept remembering the times in my life when it didn't feel like it was a chore. And, you know, when you first meet somebody and it's, Oh my gosh, this person is the coolest person ever. And now he chooses Cheerios weird and (laughs) like, and it just drives me crazy. So, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, that's kind of where i where i've landed. oh
0: there's so many questions i have. that's such an interesting journey because um well first off that your husband pursued you for so long <laughs> that's it, adorable. it is
1: one it is one of our better stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well i just i have to know what made you take the leap
1: What did me? Well, okay, so, um, it's it's kind of funny because by today's standards, I think people would think it was pretty creepy. But, um, he was in a lot of my classes, and I, um, you know, we were talking. I had broken up with the previous, um, previous guy, and, and I kept throwing hints like. I don't have anybody to go to prom with. And, uh, and, and he had already asked my really good friend. Um, and so we ended up, I ended up going with one of his friends, um, which was great. I had a great time. Um, and, but I, uh, we all went to the same like sleepover afterwards and like we hung out all night and hilarious to this day to both of us is that, his dad's deal with him was if he was going to go to this party, he had to go to church the next day. And he woke me up at seven ish in the morning and was like, I have to go to church. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, sure, why not? Um, And so like, here's the both of us in the back row, like post prom two hours of sleep. Um, But then uh, a couple days after that, he was hanging out at my house and I kept being like, I want him, I like, I want him to kiss me. I want him to kiss me. And he was so terrified of even like making a move because I for so long had been like, no, 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 no. I like, I kissed him and I was like, but then it like, there was never a question of like, are we girlfriend, boyfriend, like what's going on? But then the next day when we were at school there was a rose in my locker and I was like oh like so sweet and I was like how did you get my combination and he was like I've just been watching you do it so many times oh no I was
0: (laughs) waiting for the creepy moment there Uh,
1: it is (laughs) yep yep that's where it is and I was like I like I can barely remember my locker combination much less you remembering it but Yeah. So interesting for me, I think it was very, um, like looking back, it's interesting for me to know that like, I was the initiator of our relationship. Um, like I was the one, I mean, he obviously had wanted to be part of a relationship for a while, but it wasn't until I was completely and utterly like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's do like, like, let's let's try this Mm -hmm. um that we really even entertained the idea
0: Mm. and so did you end up not having sex until you were married after that conversation
1: uh yeah I think so um the way I remember we've been married now coming up in October it will be uh nine years um and i'm pretty sure that it was darn near close if if and if it was if we didn't we maybe only had penetrative sex like once or twice like Mm -hmm. in between those those times but it it was pretty darn close and so
0: did you, do you think that, um, I mean, it's hard to know, right? Exactly. But do you think that the, it was the commitment then that sort of um, that excitement wasn't there anymore or was it just, you now had adult things to take care of and life got kind of busy?
1: Um. Well, for him, it was the commitment. For him, it was like, I made this commitment. I should honor it. And, you know, like, I think both of us, I mean, both of us had gotten the message that, like, um husband and wife are one, and um like like after, and I so I think that both of us, for him, he really felt like he needed to follow this commitment because if he did, it was all gonna make so much more sense once we were married. Hmm. um and for me I think I don't remember maybe I was like just like heck yeah like this is great <laughs> um but I don't really remember I mean I remember being so hurt and like a little ashamed mm-hmm. that I think that's what kept me like not into it in that moment right because I was just kind of like okay head down like he's right like we should wait till marriage and um and like I just replayed over and over again like him telling me it was like opening a present before Christmas and I was like well like this is what it is this is my body (laughs) it's only gonna get older (laughs)
0: <laughs> Once you got married, and the sort of the you can unwrap the present anytime you want. We're gonna go with that analogy. Did the did it then sort of put a damper on things for you? Did it change things for you, or was it that adult life and the sort of the busyness? Do you think that led to just not wanting uh, it? It as much.
1: Um. I th- yeah, I think it was the busyness. You know, it was the busyness of life, and um, there were there was a time when he um uh, he worked for um a company where he he was gone for a month, um, and so and I was student teaching at the time, which was insane, um, <laughs> and um, and so. But I do think that we were, we, we both felt content and I don't know for me, if I even like, um, like put sex into the equation, he may have, but for me it was like, well, he's happy, so I'm good. Like it was never like. thought it was like okay well like we're just moving through these things and um it really wasn't until um the miscarriages where I was just like I'd like I lost so much trust in my body which was hard for me because interestingly enough even surrounded by all of the like hypersexual images growing up like I had never been embarrassed of my body um Like, I was always a little bit more confident um, than other girls, which that feels really kind of like a a bratty thing to say. But it is true. Like, I felt really comfortable in my own body. But then after the miscarriages, it was like, no, I don't want anything to do with, like, I don't even want to think about my body. I don't want to look at my body. I don't want to... Like, I don't even want to go to the bathroom because like, that's where I could potentially find out I'm having another miscarriage. And so it was just like this whole new experience, um, with my body. I remember a friend of mine, I, you know, everyone, no one ever knows how to talk about miscarriages and all of that. Um, and a friend of mine who, um, had actually had a stroke, she sent me a letter And I remember reading her letter going, yes, like all of this is so real. Um, And for her, it was just that she mistrusted her body because of this like other experience that she had had. But um, yeah, I, it was like, for me, it felt like going from like 180 to zero where I was just like, this is like completely off like I can't I can't be touched I can't like it just really set me off I did end up getting diagnosed with PTSD um just in terms like of hypervigilance um or like the startle response like I and it's very frustrating and interesting um because it's with certain people like certain people can touch me on the arm and I could care less and other people it's like touch me and mm -mm, like I can't can't do it um so um yeah um for those who haven't yeah
0: for those who haven't experienced miscarriage like myself I think Mm -hmm. um perhaps um if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit more about about the experience itself what 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 was it that felt traumatizing not that it not that we have to qualify mm-hmm. that you know you went through this big thing mm-hmm. and and now you have the right to feel trauma i mean if you feel it you feel it uh, was it right. the um was it the emotional loss was it the experience you know the actual physical experience
1: You know, I think it it was a combination of everything. And I think um, more so my first experience, um, you know, I was at home. um, I called the nurse line. She um, just kind of like brashly was like, well, it's going to be like a really heavy period. And that's that. Like, and we'll see you at your doctor's appointment, which because at the time I had already like scheduled an appointment for something and uh, we'll see you at your doctor's appointment. So really that experience was just like being at home. And I remember thinking if this is just like a period, I don't know if I can ever go through childbirth. Like I did the, the cramps and the pain was so strong and I, and it was just constant bleeding just constantly like and and there came a point when I just was like I was so exhausted and it was like the middle of the night and I was just bleeding through everything that I was putting on or and I didn't want to put anything in my body and um I just remember like sitting on the bathroom floor and and just being exhausted Mm -hmm. but with my second experience um I actually, um, like I was in a lot of pain, but I wasn't bleeding yet. And so, um, it's, I I just remember this, like an out of body experience, but I remember I was in, uh, we went to the ER because I couldn't even stand up. I was like in so much pain and, um, I husband who is now a nurse um, was like we have to go to the ER and I was like, no no like I can handle it and he's like you can not even stand up and I was like I got this <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get through it um which is ironic because I'm totally like like give me a paper cut and I'm like out and I'm like I can't do anything for the rest of the day um so uh, we went to the ER, they ended up, uh, well, we went to urgent care. They sent us to, to the emergency room and, uh, they gave me an ultrasound. Um, and I didn't know at the time that the ultrasound techs don't really talk to you for a reason a, because they're not really trained to, to tell you what's going on. And also, um, you know, they're just doing their job and I just remember laying on this like very cold table and like my stomach hurt so bad and I ended up having an intravaginal ultrasound and she kept telling me the ultrasound tech kept telling me to relax and I was like that's like my my trigger word it like even before um my my ultrasounds right I'm like I'm somebody who's like oh wow relax like thank you I hadn't thought of that before (laughs) like um and she just kept saying like relax relax your body and like my whole body was just shaking because I was in like just so much like fear and everything and I was like looking for a heartbeat and I, I couldn't hear a heartbeat, but I also didn't know what I was looking at or like what I was seeing. And, um, and I just remember it was like two in the morning by the time everything was said and done. And we went home and my husband, and I just sat there and like, like, did that just happen? And then, Um, it was a few days later that I had started to, uh, that I started bleeding. Um, and I remember being like partially thankful for it because they had said that I, if, if I didn't, that I was going to need a DNC procedure to, um, make sure that I wasn't like internally bleeding. Um, and so I, I was scared of that possibility as well, but I, I think, The process of the intravaginal ultrasound and her telling me to relax I I mean that is where I go when I'm really stressed out and like and I'm like not feeling it and I'm like trying to push through and just in those times when I was before Wim when I was like trying to push through and be like I can do this it was like that's where I was was like in that room That was cold and I didn't know what was going on and people were telling me to relax and I felt like crap and there's this large wand inside me and it's very uncomfortable um and so it just like the emotional pain is also very physical very exhausting and the exhaustion piece of it uh it was actually interesting um my golden retriever, uh, she we actually just found out that she has cancer um, and she's uh, in chemotherapy right now. And the other day, uh, it's been five years since our two losses. And the other day, um, my husband looked at me and he was like, is this what you felt? Like, as you felt when you were grieving, then I was like, yeah, I have been doing this grieving for five years. And he was like, I'm so sorry you've been doing this without me. Because for him, you know, it was just like this, like it was an idea and then it was gone, you know, like, oh, she's pregnant. now; she's not like, let's move on. And he was there for me, but I don't think it really clicked with him until he had this thing you know we raised her from a puppy that before we got the diagnosis and everything I I mean there was a very real chance that she was gonna die and and he and he was he was in full grief mode um and and that's totally fine but I just remember when he looked at me and said that I almost like almost screamed because I was like are you seriously just feeling this right now like um but also it's true like it was my experience in my own body and I didn't want to tell anybody about it because it was so terrifying that I was like I'm never talking about that again Mm -hmm. um but I guess I just assumed that he was also grieving or you know like that he understood all the grief and all of that. And um, I do think that also is kind of what pushed me away a couple different times was, I was like, no, I like, nothing about me feels even remotely like, a worthy, but like, I, I don't feel beautiful right now. Like, you know, like, I just don't like don't don't tell me that. Like, it's just not a thing. So, and I mean, here we are five years later and I, I'm still, you know, I, I have a wonderful psychologist. I have a wonderful psychiatrist and I still struggle with it. Um, and, and like trying to, um, be in my body. Um, but I think through a whim, it was like, especially the conversation around intuition it was like yeah I can I can tap into this like you know sometimes it's like I want to have pizza tonight heck yes let's have pizza tonight you know <laughs> like um I'm just really starting to reconnect with those ideas
0: I mean the experience you had with the ultrasound tech that is a moment of such a lack of control and agency mm-hmm. over your body where the medical establishment essentially was yeah they they were calling the shots so mm-hmm. you, you know you didn't have the ability to understand what was going on with your body or even to read what the technician was seeing and not only that you weren't given any information in that moment plus like you said you were being penetrated with a large object <laughs> well in pain and
1: right, right.
0: you know the potential loss of your baby second loss of your baby I mean it just makes me think how many women um go through this not at all to discredit the experience you go through but that every every woman Mm -hmm. who's experiencing this and and yet it is Mm -hmm. such a sort of quote-unquote normal and routine thing that that women go through there's as you know as you've described there's nothing normal and routine about it
1: right that's always and it's always made me laugh because I'm always like is it routine <laughs> like you know when I think back to the conversations that I had with the nurses like you're talking to somebody who is experiencing their first pregnancy think about like and and at the same time I have all the you know admiration for nurses in the world but it's just like, no, there's nothing normal about this experience. And and each person is unique and um and you know, even to the insurance company um a route of things, like I have tried really hard to go get more information in terms of fertility and things like that, but a lot of people have denied me because you have to have three miscarriages in order to, um, be considered, um, infertile, uh, or having fertility issues. And, um, I ended up finally, after like being very, very, uh, much an advocate for myself, finding somebody who would help me with looking at being tested or treated, but it took me someone who has the financial sort of ability <laughs> to uh to do my own recognizance and i and i think all the time about like women who are you know just that have no idea and i'm like how how like where we are failing a generation of women and then you want to know why all of us are angry (laughs)
0: yeah and suffering In silence and alone, essentially, Mm -hmm. because as you mentioned, it's very hard to talk about, even though it's unfortunately really common. Mm -hmm. I get asked quite a bit about about sort of the philosophy I teach in terms Mm -hmm. of safety, in terms of following your intuition, in terms of making sure that every experience is 100% pleasurable and... People ask me, "Well, then, how am I supposed to get pregnant? Like, how does this work? Is this something that you've given some thought
1: to? You know, I have. um, and and I think um, the safety piece, the safety piece is what I explore. Because I think it's the small incremental pieces of XDs being uh, like retraining your brain into "I am safe right now." This is a different experience um than, you know, a prior experience or um, but I mean, I'll also say, hundred percent yes. I mean, there were a couple of times when you were talking through the formula. I was like, oh yeah, that's great, like cool, safety. Um, um, if, and also, like, as a psychology teacher and a student of my psychologist, I'd be remiss to say that it is all about those incremental movements, and like you are constantly need to retrain your brain to um to think in these different patterns because i'm 31 and i've had these same ideas around consent and like the sex formula and i still like lay down in bed and i'm like oh, i feel guilty that i didn't even like give him a kiss today and i'm like that's dumb like um but it's there you know and it's constantly um retraining my brain to to be in that safety mode and I think and I will say I'm not I'm not 100% there yet and I I feel like there will be a time when I am um but it started with the safety of and the knowledge of like like this is not required. <laughs> this is not required. Um, I think there was a time when you were talking about the difference between a want and a need. Um and like we need water. You don't need sex. And I was like, um like I was like, yes, I've been thinking that for so long, but I've never like thought it in those words, you know, like uh just reminding myself like this is not something that he is going to die if he doesn't get like my body is like I need to listen to what my body is saying and also when I'm comfortable I need to push a, not a lot but like push a little bit into it okay like how does that feel just like a little bit further mm-hmm. okay just like okay now my arm is on his shoulder um and just kind of in in that mode I mean so the answer is yes and no I mean of course I've had those questions and those thoughts, and then th- there's also times when you were explaining it, and I was like, Of course, god, that makes sense! Like, you know, the rational side of my brain was like, Yep, a trick, like that's easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's I like to say it's simple but not easy because mm-hmm. of the world that we live in, yeah, and. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You say you may arrive. I don't know if I'm, I'll ever arrive at full, you know that that I don't have to to practice this or or that's fair question because I we don't live I think it would be different if we were leaving a world that had created the um, created the environment in which we all accepted not to feel safe. And we were moving Mm -hmm. into a different world in which things were all in support of us feeling safe. But that's not the way it is. We are still living in this world. And so we walk out our door, we turn on our phone, or we turn on the TV, and there there it is again. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This world, I tell you, I just want to fix it. I just want to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been thinking just so much more about even, um, you know, listening to stories like yours and just thinking about the timeline of a woman's life from the time that she's she's born to the time that I end up talking to women in their 30s, 40s, you know, sometimes 70s, and all of the things that she has been through along the way that it have that have harmed her, that has caused trauma, mm-hmm. and including mm-hmm. medical professionals that, like you said, right. they're not, they're doing their best. They are doing mm-hmm. their best with the training they received, with the time they have allotted, with the pressures they are under. Oh, it's not mm-hmm. the individual we want to harp on. It's the, the institution. It's the system. It's the, it's the culture yeah. that we live in. And you know, that technician would have never known that, right. that she could have impacted your sex life. That That's mm-hmm. just probably a, a connection she would have made. Right. Yeah. So, so now after WIM, it sounds like you're in the process of learning, like we all are in, um, other than sort of the safety piece was there anything else you touched a little bit on intuition you know was was there any other parts mm. of it that really helped you move forward
1: i mean i think for me the safety piece was the one that was like the biggest that was just like the most powerful um but i think also the connection with with other women of like okay they might they might not be having the same exact experience but they have had some of the same thoughts right like this idea of um you know not wanting to be alone we we had conversations throughout whim of where you're like out with your girlfriends and you know everyone starts talking and it's like are we all lying to each other here? Or are we like, um, I can. I remember like a really close friend of mine once was um, telling me something and she kind of looked at me and she was like, you know, I just, I just don't get it. I feel like I'm supposed to be just like totally head over heels in love. And at the time I looked at her and I was like, my husband drives me nuts. <laughs> I just remember being like, that's, that's silly. Like, um, but also I think another piece, now that I just said that another piece that really like stuck with me was this idea that like, this person is because this like sexual attraction isn't there doesn't mean that our marriage is completely over and done with like, this is the person that I have chosen to go through my life with to go through these really hard things with. And I have learned through the hard way, as most people do, <laughs> that being an adult is constantly relearning how to do things and re-remembering like, who you are and who you want to be. And um, And I think that one was big for me too because there was a lot of points when I thought, if I can't get myself together, he's gonna have to go find a different wife like I just he, he can't like I if I can't give him this need and and it's like it's not a need <laughs> like he doesn't uh he will not die um does he want it sure I'm sure he does um and let's find a way to do this together because we have chosen a way we like we have chosen each other to do this together and um and so I think that was another piece that really hit me of just like yeah, like I want to do this with him, even on the days that he's chewing Cheerios, really annoyingly.
0: Yeah, it's very empowering to make a choice that mm-hmm. even with all of these, you know, things, or or that even that we can make a choice every day, and he mm-hmm. can make a choice too. Yeah. There's just so much freedom mm-hmm. in that and yes mm-hmm. there may be repercussions and it may be really hard and financial considerations you know i don't want to make it so uh so be so flippant about you know separating but mm-hmm. but ultimately there is no ball and chain um it is a decision and uh mm-hmm. it's going to be messy and it's going to um there's going to be yeah give and take if you are wanting to be in a relationship in which nobody is ever Being feeling uncomfortable or feeling harmed, Mm -hmm. then yes, of course, there's going to be um, give and take. And and that's what partnership is about. I love that word partnership. This is the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming on and sharing your story with us. Um, I am sure you've touched a lot of women. And I think the more we can talk about these topics, the better, because... Mm -hmm. um, especially if it you know if somebody hasn't had a miscarriage and they have one in the future and they listen to this episode I just feel like it would bring a lot of validation and comfort to her so thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. your
1: story yes of course thank you for
0: having me all right well thank you everyone for listening and I'll talk to you in the next one bye for now if you've enjoyed this episode I have a favor to ask of you It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes if you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews there's a little purple writing thing that <laughs> says write a review if you click on that it will ask you to give it a five stars actually you can put any stars but five is what i would love and put a title and then write your review thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and i really am so grateful if you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you you can go to janet dentonhouse.com wanting it more to sign up for the wait list to learn more to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you
1: next one.